There we go. So we're recording. <laughs> Leave me. <laughs> yep. So we're we're officially starting the All the right. dad talk, Alex. All right. <laughs> Dude, I I'm really pumped. I I do need to say I probably saved it to when it's recording, so it's it's on air. But uh, yeah, I'm pumped to have you on. I'm pumped to uh, for your support of all this, man. It's pretty cool to know that there's people that I know from way back that are listening to this. So thanks, dude. I uh, definitely. I found a picture upstairs in my room. It was when I was uh, when I was first full time at the summer camp. Oh, it's, it's when um <laughs> was i a camper or was i working no you you were a worker so for those okay. who don't know yet yeah, it's, it's our summer camp through our church i was a full-time counselor and it was the year that uh i was i can't remember who i counseled with or who else was who else was in there but it's you and me and it was this amazing race it was the theme of the for of the week Okay. Amazing race or Olympics or something. We had to come up with a uh, with our our group name, and so we were Captain Planet. And your mom, your mom, I was like, oh, it'd be great if I had green hair because I was a counselor. Was gonna be Captain oh, Planet. I can I can picture you right now. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I don't even so need to think. Yeah, <laughs> you and me have green because your mom your mom mailed me uh, green oh. hairspray for this one oh, thing. Mom. And oh, it was uh, and there we both have green hair. Oh man, yeah, that would have been before I cut my hair off too. Uh huh. Yeah, I didn't do that till sophomore year of college. Yeah. So for those people listening, that's kind of how far back we go. So that was probably two thousand and we. I mean, we go back further than that because just like the 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 team Congo services. I knew you from Uh there too. I mean, honestly, Uh we we both went to camp, so. Yeah, we grew up going to that summer camp. So yeah, and yeah, I, I spent Christmas at your house one time. Oh gosh, do you oh. don't remember that? Do you? This was I years. Don't. Oh gosh, this was long time ago. Uh, my my parents. This is when I I think I had just your sister was in. Yeah, she was at Georgia State, and we were all running okay. that same group, like. Danielle and Jim and all and Jackie Back Webb. When so they all these people allowed to date because they were freshmen. Yep, they they couldn't date. <laughs> but uh, my my parents actually left. <laughs> we they left on Christmas Day to go visit family, and we couldn't go because me and my brothers <laughs> had to work. And so oh, Danielle man. had heard, and and she was like, "Just come hang out." And so I came, and we like. Uh, we hung out and had Christmas dinner and then we went and saw, um, oh, we went and saw a movie. Uh, oh my gosh. Hold on. It was, uh, what happened back then. Lord of the Rings. It's cause it's cause I, uh, I don't know. There's something wrong with me. That's why I have an elephant tattoo on my chest. Cause I remember everything. <laughs> the memory of an elephant. No, um, it was meet the Fockers. It was, it was the second, meet that's how long ago it was i feel like i must have been left out of that one no you were there I, I don't feel... you were there oh, man. and this is gonna get even creepier it's gonna get even creepier this is and i hope because n- your other sister nick this is gonna get weird Maybe. i shouldn't i'm just gonna say it who cares okay. um because 
because your sister got a Tamagotchi for Christmas. And I remember thinking, <laughs> how old is your sister? Like, your sister can't be that. Like, she's in high school. What? Who has Tamagotchis anymore? It's <laughs> all right. I and was I, playing Pokemon at the time. So, yeah. So that was that was oh, that. <laughs> yeah, dude, I had dinner. I had I had a whole oh, man. No, I believe it because I feel like oh, that must explain how I ended up. I ended up when I did get to college, I ended up like getting a group of guys and like once every couple of months because my parents didn't live but like 45 minutes from Athens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like once every couple of months, I'd, I'd bring a group of guys home for yeah. dinner. I'd get my laundry done because I was that guy. Yep. But yeah, oh man, that must have been what what triggered being able to do that. Always, always appreciated Danielle opening up like avenues of things that we were able to do. Well, I, I also, one. yeah, your mom was super rad. I, I mean, your but, dad was cool too, but I talked to your mom more. She used to wear the weird contact lenses. <laughs> yep, and she she'd be barefoot a lot and ride motorcycles. Yep, and yes, always mm-hmm. barefoot. She had to stop doing that for a while because. Uh, Something like her arches or something happened with her arches and her, uh, her younger sister is a, um, I feel she had to have been trained in chiropractic medicine, but she's more of like a spiritual healer. And so she like gave my mom all these things that she had to do and it straightened it out, but she wasn't able to go around barefoot like she used to after that. That stinks. But yeah, and uh, they're and both my parents, they're still consistently riding motorcycles and doing trips. Good for and, them. Yeah. They both they've both been retired for a couple of years now. Um my dad retired like twenty my poor dad. So he got a really great offer to uh basically they 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 paid him well to retire earlier than he had planned. Uh huh. And so he retires the fall of 2019. And his plan in retirement was I'm a retire. And when I retire, I'm just going to bounce between the grandkids because he has three kids who lived in three different States and all of us had kids. And immediately COVID hits. Oh man. And, and, and everything shuts down and we're quote unquote not allowed to travel. And, you know, my younger sister's married to a nurse. And so he's like, yeah, no government says we shouldn't. And this is actually really bad. And it's really stressful at work. And like, I'm being pulled from the burn unit for this stuff. And like, no, 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 just, just let's hold off on traveling for now. And, um, Jameson was at the time, starting a doctorate program for like epidemiology Uh um yeah so like he knew all the science stuff behind all the COVID stuff and so he was also like nah you shouldn't my my wife's a social worker in hospice so she like even being a like we live we live maybe six miles from my parents and even like that close is like uh for now no but it was man my poor dad retired and then got just stuck in the house and i think my mom had gone 
my mom like the year prior she had been off for a while and then the year prior she had gotten a job teaching again specifically to like keep insurance until my dad uh made it to medicare age and um and so essentially my dad retired and then like just got stuck at home Man. with covid while everyone else was gone including his wife i felt so bad for him he's enjoying it now though and like they're <laughs> there every, every other week out of town but wow and it and and it's not like they're like traveling seeing the world although i was proud of him he took my mom to go to portugal last year which was my mom's like biggest anger point on her mom because her mom ended up passing away from dementia Mm -hmm. and when she got the inheritance my mom got so mad at her mom she's like you had all this money that you had seven kids and i got this much money why on (laughs) earth did you not go back to your like because like that that's that's where their family roots are for that's why my mom went went to portugal um she got like she was telling me all this stuff like venting to me like she had she came all this like and and like she just sat on it she didn't like she could have gone back to portugal and seen her home country and she just didn't and then she got dementia and <laughs> like oh man <laughs> i was like so all right noted if i ever make it and my mom is retired i need to make sure that yeah i better i better give her all of those experiences and also second point of that my mom's not leaving me anything she's gonna enjoy her money so but yeah (laughs) good for her i know know, right (laughs) that's like you're saying to them too y'all are y'all have y'all are porch y'all come from portugal i had no idea um your mom my 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 mom's mom that side of the family yeah yeah. so it's at this stage i'm like eight removed from yeah so Portuguese. Yeah. but but it, it explains why my oldest daughter looks hispanic even though she's <laughs> mixed with black and white right <laughs> it's funny though uh like my kids so i got i got three kids they're eight six uh-huh. and two and a half and like I, I i feel so bad for my wife like not really but kind of she 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 works really hard to like remind them that they they have roots in the black community and and like even though they're light-skinned they are still black and Uh and and i encourage it too but it like you know when a printer runs out of ink how every additional um piece of paper just kind of gets lighter Uh, oh god Oh yeah. So <laughs> Alex. my oldest my oldest is olive skin, nice and tanned with thick black curly hair. Yeah. Uh, my my middle child is um blonde hair, green eyed. Um she can she can get a, like you can tell she's not just white. Yeah. But like barely. <laughs> oh my youngest child's the Aryan race. Blue eyes, blonde hair, just white. Just, just like, it's like my wife ran out of pigment as she was making kids. It's, it's oh hilarious God. to me. But she, I mean, <laughs> genetics are genetics are a wild thing. Do you remember doing that little? Yeah, the, dude, the we, four we, boxes. Did you ever do the four we, boxes? And oh yeah, dude, I loved science. I loved genetics and science, dude. Physics, physics, and genetics were the two. Um, yeah. in high school that I enjoyed I even 
I even did a couple of courses of physics in college and lo- like uh-huh. those are my favorite parts of it. But that was the wild thing because like when our, when a middle child was born and, and blue eyes and blonde hair and we were just like, started looking through the family and we're just like, well, hang on. How? Where'd this, co- like, where'd this where, come Hey, hey where'd the blonde hair come from? Well, like blue because she started with blue eyes too and hers has transitioned to green uh-huh and finally my grandmother my dad's mom i was like i i have blue eyes and she lives in connecticut so like yeah. i see her like once every other year type thing and like i'm 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 one of the least observant people that you will ever meet like i'm just oblivious i go through life and my my <laughs> wife will get mad at me like i i will dress the kids and like not know that i put on pants that were too big or high waters right yeah uh-huh i picked them out i literally physically put them on the kid and just yeah. didn't notice <laughs> she, wow. she's like you don't pay attention to anything i'm like no i'm not on purpose <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so my my dad's mom has blue eyes so that's where the blue eyes came from and like my uncle's kids so my cousins uh-huh. ha- had blonde hair so like i knew the blonde hair was in there somewhere but and i figure they're all gonna grow out of the blonde hair into like that dirty blonde light brown stage so yeah my uh we haven't cut my kid's hair yet because he started getting these cool cool curls and so we were just like we didn't want to we just wanted to see what's going to happen and so what's your son's name again i remember it's a really cool name i just it's like one of jasper there it is yeah i remember listening and saying oh that's a rad name i couldn't pull it off but that's a man it's only it happened by surprise like i just randomly thought of that one day and i like and i was like huh that'd be a cool name i think also so it wasn't from the town in georgia no not from the town of georgia but now it's like when i say his full name jasper clemens it sounds incredibly southern oh yeah jasper it sounds like a a lawyer or or a judge but I don't know. No, I just was like, because we were thinking about names and I didn't want to, I'm named after my grandfather and I didn't want to name, I didn't, I don't know. I was like thinking about naming him me and then he wanted, (laughs) my wife wanted him to have her, her middle name, which was Schuler. He's got a wild name, Jasper Schuler. Jasper Schuler Clemens. Wow. That's a Mm -hmm. man writing that name out in school. He's going to have a fun Mm -hmm. time. He's going to be so That's mad at us. And then it also name. doesn't help that there's a Z at the end of Clemens because nobody ever understands that or remembers that. <laughs> oh, you know if I knew that. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I didn't nice. know where his where Jasper's hair comes from, but apparently it comes from, I think, her his uncle. His uncle had curly hair. Um, okay. Dude, I'm but, lucky with girls. I, uh-huh. we've done one haircut on the oldest yeah and that's because she just she has a mane dude like her hair is so it wasn't even to like shorten it it was just to thin it out 
because she's yeah. got so much hair, dude. Yeah, the other ones we haven't we haven't had to do anything yet, but they're you... fun and wild because I call them my little Tarzan babies. Like <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> just wild, awesome. just wild hair just going all over the place, yeah. dude. It's crazy. It's great. He didn't have hair for like almost two years. Yeah. It's only been recent. Oh, it was only in the last couple of years that it, it just kind of shot out. And I it, think we're it not. It might get worse because our our oldest was the same. She didn't. She didn't really have that much hair. Like she definitely didn't have hair as a baby. She had the least of all of them uh-huh. as a baby, and then just like yeah, a couple years in, I was like, hey, she's finally getting it fully in. All right, and then it was just like, oh gosh, oh gosh. Yeah. Look how long it is. My wife straightened it one time. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. I'm surprised that, that she hasn't gone back to ask us to do it again. But she was she had to have been like three or four at the stage that we did it. But it's funny. She gave us this glare, which, of course, is also like it's the Alex glare. My, um, I showed it, I showed it to my college buddy. He was like, oh, yeah, there, there there's the Gibbs there. I remember getting that line. <laughs> I've seen you just stare that, like that. I've seen yeah, that stare like, before. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He. Uh. You know, we we're at we're at you know the part where he's you know he fights baths, and you know oh, yeah. you know we kind of like we bathe them at least three or four times a week. It's nothing crazy, but his yeah. hair. I mean, it gets so knotted. He's got little dreadlocks sometimes, and we're like, oh. Man, Ugh, dude, it is my work. My middle, my middle child uh, had. I don't, I don't know what the crap it was, but like from one until like three, she had this patch right dead center in the middle back uh-huh. that it it. Uh, Everything else was like wispy and curly. And then she just had a Brillo patch. Just yeah. Worst possible. And you couldn't comb it out. Like we couldn't get anything through it. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, well, hopefully she grows out of it because otherwise her hair is going to be a pain to keep doing. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's not there anymore. Thank God. But yeah, he cries, he screams. At us trying to comb his hair. Like, that's why he doesn't like, I think that's why he doesn't like baths the most yeah, is because he's got to brush that hair. After. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. He kind of look, I mean, he does look like, um, do you remember the Tarzan movie back, the cartoon one where he mm-hmm. surfed the trees? He looks yeah. a lot like, he looks a lot the like the room. young Tarzan. Yeah. And it doesn't help that we have this huge tree in our backyard and, and in the summertime, he's mostly shirtless, <laughs> running around in this, climbing you know, it, <laughs> just climbing trees and dirty. And Dude. he's, I mean, because he's a beach kid. I mean, we're on the beach, but oh it's, yeah, it's 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 a mess. But I wanted to talk about yeah. genetics for a second because it's that genetics are a funny thing. And so, like, not, there's people that know. I, I I got the old snip snip this year. Okay. Because no more, just one. No okay. more twins. Twins run in my family, both sides of my family. <laughs> and one of the reasons that I thought I just was like, no. I mean, my brothers are twins. 
Uh, One's good. I could maybe do two, but I'm not chancing three. So odds are we get three and nope. (laughs) You know, and it's it's hard enough to like to balance everything with, you know, she has two offices and and employees. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically like she has two kids. She she has three kids. It's the offices and. She has four, Roy. Don't this. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Hey, man. But uh, my wife's got four too. I mean, you just gotta like. It's just it's it's just so funny how things you know show up. You know, mm-hmm. oh, it's a wild thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I had a nightmare hey. one time about having twins, and it freaked me out. And you know, <laughs> scheduled the doctor appointment the next day. It's it's just like it's it's scary. Hey. No. I'm gonna applaud you, man. Not, not, not too many people that I know would have thought enough and thought ahead enough to have done something about it before no, potentially walking into a nightmare. So, I, I got another. I got another friend who second second set of kids ended up being twins, and he ended up he was he was running this really cool like um, NFT baseball backyard baseball game program that he created and his wife got pregnant and then it was like it's twins and he was like all right i'm selling that because uh i need to figure out how to parent three because this ain't about to happen here (laughs) so yeah no that's it was hard enough going one to two to three i couldn't imagine the shock of like double teaming someone and then going into zone coverage (laughs) <laughs> no that's not like legit that's what i that's when i'm when i'm talking to other people that are like getting ready to have kids or like add to their family or whatever i'm like yeah legit one kid y'all are double teaming man like you can choose to leave one on an island the other one just go off do whatever the heck they want to uh-huh. you get two kids you start playing man coverage which yep. the danger of ha- the danger of having two kids is is in like <laughs> there's a very real chance like that you end up having favorites just because of whichever kid you end up just naturally spending more time with. So that's the danger of two kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And then legit. Yeah. You add, you add a third and I don't know if this split is natural, but it was natural to us. The older two went with one parent and then the baby was the other one and you're running Uh zone. Because the two older ones, by the time you have your third kid, the oldest one's old enough to listen and obey. The second one probably is old enough to comprehend, but is probably also still in the rebellious stage. Uh And so having a rebellious child with a newborn is not ideal. (laughs) It's sometimes doable. But so our natural inclination was older two go that way. I'm, I'm over here with the baby right yeah mm-hmm. so i but yeah that that's always the thing and so i think that's why other people will say too like once you get the three man you might as well have four five six whatever and once you learn how to run zone like it's just all zone coverage at that stage I've, I've, yeah I've been and, it, and at some point the oldest gets old enough to help you with parenting you hope they do <laughs> right <laughs> yeah our oldest our, our two oldest just like i mean they're essentially just they're still used. They're two and a half years, two and a half years into having a, a third sister, and they still bicker like they're just like two sisters that don't have a third, and like they're dependent upon each other for entertainment, 
uh-huh. but they really can't stand each other right now, you know? Yeah. And so it's what you say it was eight, six, and two and a half? Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's a that's a I I know you sent me those the the questions to prep before, so I know we'll probably get into the birth story. So like the the third one, the fact that my wife won the third one ended up shocking and scaring me. Because uh-huh. the second the second story was just it was insane. It was traumatizing to me. Apparently not uh-huh. so much for her. And and yeah, so then she came to me. She's like, I want a third. I'm like, are you serious? I was like, I had already put that out of my mind that that was ever going to happen. She was like, yeah, no. I was like, I mean, it's, it took her like two weeks and finally I got to the, the like, I mean, it's your, it, it's your body and your life. You're willing uh-huh. to try it again. I mean, I don't mind having a third kid. I'm just worried about the process of getting to the third kid. <laughs> so, so the second birth story was tough, or the second kid, the birth was tough. Yeah, my wife ended up with uh, a blood clot and bleeding internally. Oh no! Um, and and almost died. Um, so was this yeah. during the during the uh, birth? directly after so oh, wow. yeah so like we get in there middle of the night because it was always middle of the night uh-huh. and then she gets the epidural almost immediately and therefore labor goes on for many many hours so we're just chilling in there and she's got uh, her god sisters in there with us and then she has to go go to work or whatever, and and then it starts. Baby's delivered fine, no complications, whatever. You know they have a catheter in Ashley, and they come back. They take the catheter out, and like seems no issues. Baby's uh-huh. in there with me. Baby's in my arms, and she turns to me. She goes, I need you to go outside. And she like, she had hit the nurse. Like, can you, can you hit the nurse button? We hit the nurse button. And then she turns to me. She goes, I don't feel right. I need you to go outside and bring a nurse back immediately. And she's saying it like super slow like that. My wife doesn't talk slow. No, she doesn't. No. So I'm, (laughs) I pop, pop my head out like nurse. I, I need you guys in here. And they came in, and my wife passed out. Oh, jeez. And they start doing all their stuff, call the doctor in. The doctor was dressed. She had heels on. Um, like, she was preparing to, like, clock out and leave and head to a, um, like, a dinner or, or like, some, like, a gala or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. She was dressed to go out. Throws, throws some coverage on, doesn't take her shoes off, and they. The doctor was elbow deep in my wife, yanking blood clots out, and oh, we had the. I'm holding our child. Uh huh. We had a a lot. We had a large delivery room because we knew a nurse 
at that hospital. So she connected us when we got there. We got one of the corner rooms that's a lot bigger at Northside than all the other ones. I am completely across the room and I ended up with blood splatters on me from, Oh wow. From dude. When I say I was traumatized, like, like I think the fact that she was passed out must be the only reason that she wasn't traumatized from that. I'm like legit. Like you were her poor mom. I forgot about this point. She had called her mom because her mom had stepped away to go to the Whole Foods around the corner to get food because we had been in there so long. Uh-huh. And she she called her mom. And so her mom was on speaker the whole time this was happening. And dude, her mom's like a a retired firefighter. So like she's a first responder. She's been in this situation before, right? But she's not in the room. She's helpless in a grocery store line. listening to her daughter say i don't feel right and then listening to the machines like do the like all right blood pressure just spiked and you know heart rate just dropped and like oh gosh i told her the numbers of like what the monitor had gotten to when when she got back and i was filling her in on like everything that had actually happened and then dude like so obviously so at that stage they end up taking my wife out to the ICU. They take my daughter over to the NICU. Her mom's back. And because we have another daughter, I then had to go home to my other daughter <laughs> to, to relieve my parents who are there to wait to hear. Like, I, I got news that, like, hey, she's stable. She's fine. But, like, she needs to stay overnight. We need to get these two bags of blood into her. But, like, but so, like, whatever whatever you got to do. The baby's going to stay in the NICU. She, she's going to be fine. Grandma's there. Her, her the uh, god sister is there. So, okay. She's in good hands. I'm terrified and traumatized. But there's literally nothing I can do here at this hospital. And I got a two-year-old at home that needs someone to watch her. And, dude, just that night was awful. And still just the memory of that. So so then, yeah, to have her come back and be like, I want another kid. I'm like, this, like, this this mom brain forgetting what labor and childbirth <laughs> is actually like is a legit thing, huh? I was like, I, I can't, I can't put you through that. Like you, actually, you understand you, you legit. I almost lost you. Like yeah. you understand that, right? <laughs> she was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Because, but because that happened, like the, the, the doctors and nurses are going to be way more attentive this time. I'm like, because essentially what had happened is like she had said something and the nurse didn't take her serious. And then she said something else and they're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll come back with a test. And then when it was like, hey, go get them, and they came in and she passed out, that's when it was like, oh, crap, right? And so she's like, so that's definitely not going to happen again because they're going to be all over me. And what the great thing was, so that nurse that I said got us the good good room that second time, Mm -hmm. completely by accident ended up being the, like, head nurse when we came back in for our third one. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, so she's like in the room completely with us the whole time, the third time, which if I remember the third one correctly, like my wife was got in and begged for the epidural because she doesn't do pain. And so she was like immediately just like, get in here, get it. And they're like, something was happening. Oh, she had like pre-dilated. Uh-huh. And they were trying to tell her, we can't give you the epidural with you this dilated or something like that. And she was like, no, I... I, I work in healthcare. I know you can. So, no, you're not going to tell them. And it was like, okay, well, we need – I think it was a medicine that they gave them for her first. Like, we need this to, like – the it was like a, a IV drip. Like, we need this to completely get into your system, and then we can come in here and do it. And so she did. And ironically, second she got the epidural, like – it went from being like this super fast paced um, thing to like everything stopped to a standstill. <laughs> it was like we thought that we had like gotten in there and like, hey, we're going to have a baby in like an hour. <laughs> and it turned into like six hours of labor. And I you was think like, it was the epidural's gotten... fault? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She stopped feeling the pain. So her body stopped responding correctly to like what, what was that? Like, I, honestly, like the reason she was probably so dilated so fast was probably the fact that she had felt all the pain and pressure and her body was responding mm-hmm. correctly. Uh, but it was also probably like her heightened stress level of like, I need an epidural. I need an epidural. I need an epidural. And so like when she got the epidural, then she relaxes and it's just like, all right, cool. Her body's like, all right, well, well, when the baby decides now, I guess we'll get there eventually. Like I, I swear, she was at she was at uh, eight centimeters for like three hours. I was like, "You gotta be kidding me, honey! This uh, you just need two more centimeters." This, what do you? Come on! <laughs> I think I ended up falling asleep for a little bit because, just like my wife, always in the middle of the night when the water funny. breaks. So, yeah, man, if I remember the first one correctly. The first one was just a long one, uh-huh. and we didn't know what we were doing, and it was pre-COVID, so I guess that was the real wild thing. So pre-COVID, like, anything goes. So she it was like, I was in there, her mom was there, and then she had her two best friends there, too, and it was a long, slow labor, and we ended up her and her, her and her friends ended up like doing a, a Disney concert just so they're sat there singing Disney songs. <laughs> just what? like, Oh yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Dude, it was, it was the craziest thing. So like going from that to then the second one also pre COVID, but like uh-huh. the timing of it, we could, we, her friends couldn't come into town in time. Like her god sister happened to like be doing this, like, self-employed thing out of her house so she was available but she had to leave to go teach a class and then her mom and then the third one was post-covid so it was just like all right you get one person who can come in yeah is it going to be your mom or your husband and so i actually had to fight it out because i mean like having her mom in there is a very good plan i'll say so she because she was a firefighter is that what you oh said? yeah, yeah. First, yeah. first responder, like EMT, yeah. all, mm-hmm. all like completely trained. So she knows when something's going sideways. 
And again, like, see, like Ashley is there. 2021? So Ashley would have been 33. So, you know, her mom had 33 years of experience of like who Ashley is and how she responds to stuff. Yeah. Man. So, yeah. It says, but ended up like, again, middle of the night. So she was like, come on. I was like, what about your mom? She's like, nah, that she'll be all right. And her mom was all right. Her mom never wanted, well, she wanted to be in there. She, she didn't want to like take my spot in there. She preferred me because, A, she didn't want to wake up in the middle of the night to get into the hospital room to just sit around. Yeah. So I she was that. completely okay being that, like, just call me when the baby's here. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I get that. I, do, I feel bad for her. She's been wanting a, a grandson. <laughs> So I gave her three girls. Oh gosh. Her, uh, <laughs> her 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 son uh just announced that they're pregnant with another girl. <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, well... my, uh, I remember um my grandpa telling uh, me and my brothers this was years ago, he goes, you know, boys, it's up to you. You're you're it. Okay. Basically is what he's saying. Cause his, his, my uncle had girls and then my dad mm-hmm. had us and then my, and then he, we have an aunt. So that was it. Yeah. And so I wish I, my grandpa would have been around to know. Cause my brother, he has two girls. My other brother doesn't have a kid. And so I got a boy. So it's kind of like, yes, I did it. It, it was me. Yes. Yeah. And if I and remember your story correctly, your, your dad didn't survive until, Jasper was born either. Yeah, my dad, my dad died a month before Jasper was born. Oh man. <laughs> oh, that's heartbreaking, dude. It was uh it was probably <sighs> it was only like two, it was probably two years before I started to feel like kind of normal. Or like I'm like, okay, now I'm present. <laughs> like, yeah. Because it was such a tidal wave of just you know everything because he went fast it It wasn't like a uh a slow thing he found out he got cancer in may he was gone by the next one and uh and then uh he uh and then then i'm you know right after that i'm watching my son be born (laughs) yeah no yeah no time to mourn i gotta raise this guy now yeah, there was, a, there was the, you, there's been, been years of processing. Do what? Have you had time to mourn now? I mean, grief is a funny thing, man. Um, I, I'm a lot, I'm a lot better with regards to like the accepting that he's gone. I can look at pictures and it, like I, I feel like the happy memories now because what was the hardest part is like you see these pictures or people mention him or something like that and then you're just like oh god he's gone mm-hmm. um I, and yeah, i'm lucky enough to not have that experience yet but i'm not looking forward to that day for sure and it's just i was lucky though in the fact that i was already in therapy so yeah. there's already like stuff to talk about i mean i'm a talker as it is mm-hmm. um but it was i mean I was telling someone like there was a lot of anger that I had towards my dad. Um, 
because I felt like he kind of robbed me of my presence at the birth. Um, wow. Because yeah. I just don't. And I remembered that because it was in April. I was having this conversation about I'm just telling a friend of mine about the birth. And I was finally kind of like, it was weird. It was like, I mean, I, I mean, births are weird. We're there, but we're not there. If it makes, you know, you're drinking from. <laughs> we're there, but we're not doing anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's like so much is going on and so much is happening at certain points that it's, it's almost like at points I felt like, I don't know. It was just this surreal thing. I just wasn't present. I was there, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, I don't know, but it was 17 hours. I remember about an hour of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And so like, but I was telling him the story of it and I was finally like, it, I started getting really emotional about it. And I think it was, I was finally like, I don't know what, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I guess I just finally had, had was able to like, let go of like my dad's death and then recognize the experience for what it was. Because I mean, I was, I was, you know, it was it was a whirlwind of a of a of a death and it was a messy death because of all sorts of things and so that's that's what i was thinking about for most of that summer summer when he was yeah. born yeah and so yeah. i i was there was a lot of anger that i had towards him i was like you know you could have you could have waited man <laughs> just a <laughs> little bit hang on for a couple more months man yeah uh, and then so, the guilt associated with like, man, my dad was going through so much pain. I shouldn't have wished that. Yeah, I imagine. And then, it, and it was like, and what was crazy too is because I went from like, like I was in Atlanta. I traveled to Atlanta five times that year oh, while wow. my wife was pregnant too, you know? Yeah. And it was like, yeah. and that was like, I, I have this, I love to use this phrase. It was like drinking from a fire hose, mm-hmm. you know? It's just like, I felt like I was always in Atlanta. I was always in Hartsfield International Airport. And and then all of a sudden it just stopped. And then I just stopped and I'm home with this kid while my rest of my family's dealing with everything else. Like, where's my mom gonna go? Because she has, you know, my mom has dementia and uh and all that. So it was it was very much it was a wild experience. And and I'm yeah, you know why you ask. Is that why you like to ask your your guests about the birth stories? I like to ask that you is hard on you. I like to ask guys about the birth stories because culturally, women have a lot of support and understanding about what's going on because it it is happening to them. It's happening to them. Yeah, but there's already this community around them. Right. And for us, it's just this separate thing that we don't know what's going on. We don't know what to expect. We don't know what to think about. We're just reacting because yeah. there's there's not much education because everything was so separate from us. And mm-hmm. so I think people sharing the stories normalizes a lot of things in a sense. And it also cont- it kind of builds the community. You know, okay. and it's almost like a little bit of a resource. Yeah. Let me you ask know, you a follow-up question on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so for you, Jasper, you feel immediate, 
immediately connected or did it take time for you guys to kind of, to, for you to kind of get that like, Oh yeah, I got a son. Like this is really cool. We're kind of getting, we're kind of bonding now. Oh God, no, it was not immediate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's normal. I think too, I, by the way. <laughs> do what? That, that's very normal too, by the way. I think it was exacerbated with what I was with the grieving of my father. Yeah. Um, I think this this summer is the first summer that I've felt I've felt really connected to him. Yeah. Um so, I think a lot of that probably has to do with his age too, because his uh, personality probably really started coming out about a year ago. Like I mean, really truly seeing this person's strong personality coming out. And it's like, oh yeah, you are a little human, aren't you? You're not just this little bundle in a blanket that poops. I know. But what's yeah. what's wild though is like, so he was born at the beginning of the summer. I'm a teacher or was a teacher. And so I had three full months, three months at home. Yeah. And my wife, she she took the whole summer off too. Mm-hmm. Uh and then which in you would think, oh yeah you'd be connected and all this stuff, but no, it wasn't. And then I mean, it's I took... the ideal way to be, but like sure. I, going through everything you went, through, even if you weren't going through all of that, kind of like you said, like men don't really have a, the community for like teaching us how to make this adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really have the resources either is what I'm finding that that's yeah. kind of mm-hmm. my, my current, thinking like it's not like i have a lot of extra time for putting something together but i'm i'm working towards a project of putting together something that can be used as a resource for dads like hey Mm -hmm. man create a central point for like guys you guys can come here and the questions that you need answered or the advice you need or because like there's stuff out there that i've found they're like there's podcast called the dad's edge he's great Uh for like older kids because he deals with like communication skills and emotional mm-hmm. regulation like skill sets as a parent for like showing up better but like the mindset shift of going from you know I'm I'm a married dude with no kids to like I am legitimately responsible for this life mm-hmm. right here in front of me and my wife's going to do a whole lot of stuff because it is like naturally ingrained in her to care and nurture this child. And she's got books everywhere. She's got her mom probably telling her all kinds of stuff. She's got my mom probably telling her all kinds of stuff. She's got all her friends with kids who are telling her all the things. And as like, like you said, like, yeah, child, like, child birth child rearing like moms have like i even remember going through the the birth class and it's like i like i get coming through here my wife really wanted me to go through it and like i like i learned the stuff that i should do in the room but it's like it's procedural for a dad right yeah do this function be here don't say this type of stuff help her remember to do this breathing when it's time to push like hold her hand like this or lift her leg like this, but like, Hey, when you cut the umbilical cord, like that's going to be simple. They're going to hand you scissors. But like, as far as like the, like 
all right, now you got a kid. Like, okay, functionally, change the diaper. Okay, okay, give him a bottle. All right, cool. But, like, legitimately, like, caring for them and how to raise them, finding yeah. resources like that. Even, like, you know, parenting books, they're definitely pointed towards moms. Um, the ones written, like, um, um, I guess you can't see back here, but I got, I got uh, Meg Meeker's book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, back here. And I haven't finished it yet, but I've gotten through the book and it's like, hey, I, you know, dad's presence is good for, um, you know, keeping um, like uh, eating disease like bulimia and, and mm-hmm. anorexia or at bay. And it's like, oh, oh I mean, uh, that's good for like 13 years from now. But like, how do I raise them as a three year old? Yeah. Like, what do I do? How do I, like, I still got to go to work. So, like, so I, do I feel guilty that I'm, like, not here? I Like I told you at the beginning, I'm a UPS driver. Like, I, my schedule, I wake up in the morning, I get my girls ready for school. I take the two oldest, drop them at school. That's the last time, usually, that I see them during the day. My baby, like, when they're babies, I didn't get to see my kids. Because... A, we run by the mentality of, like, you let the baby sleep, right? And so babies just naturally, around the 8, 8 o'clock, they're going to bed. They don't wake up until, like, 10 a.m. the next day. Lucky. Until they're... Well, My no, 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 kid no, this, doesn't. I'm, I'm talking, I'm like, sorry. when they're, like... I'm talking, like, when they're, like, <laughs> one and two. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> by, by the time they're four, they're fighting you because you're making them go to bed yeah. at eight and Sorry. they're trying to wake up at like 6 30. Yeah. Yes. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I'm talking you're like, the, I'm talking the baby stage, the like yeah. real bonding first few years. Like, legitimately, so I, I, I was a mortgage lender for my first child. So I was there. Um, I was, my wife just came in to take a picture of me talking. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm too loud. You want to come say hi to Roy? Yeah, it's Roy. He said hi earlier. He said he wanted me to make sure I said hi. You want to come be on camera for a second? I I know she can't. Maybe you can't turn the camera. Yes, we are, but it's all right. Yeah, he's here. Come say hi. (laughs) She hates when I do stuff like this. Yeah. It's okay. Nobody's going to. It's all right. Say what's up. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I guess she you. can't. She can't hear you. Here. Oh, she can't. <laughs> now, good to my see her. Earbud. Tell oh, her it's good to see sorry. her. It's good to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you saying I'm too loud? Little loud. I just came to take a picture of this one that Uncle Darren bought all this stuff. <laughs> Uncle Darren hasn't bought any of this stuff. <laughs> no, I bought all this stuff. It may, he may have given me a gift card that I bought it with. But... Yeah. Or I sorry about that. If you have to end up it's editing okay. a lot of that out. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's natural. It happens. Because it's, it's just natural, and it's Roy, and you know him. I know. I ain't no stranger. But it's all right. I listen to a lot of podcasts that just get distracted with like a wife walks through, and they're like, "Oh, hey, baby." So, like, I know podcasts happen like that. It's like, hey, it's better to have that natural stuff happen in there because no one's living yeah, on an island, right? Um, 
Yeah, it was. I was talking about the resources for bands, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the um, man, this is gonna bleed over probably into your the other part of your podcast with the the history of the church. But uh-huh. I I've had this like urge and desire for just building a community of dads, just like yeah, to, to lean on or whatever, and like my brain's broken on like the how to build it because the only thing it goes back to is all right get into a church and then and i'm just like all right that can't be the only way to build a community man like there's so many people out here struggling that a they're not going to go through a church to try to find information and b like i remember being a part of church like they're they're doing seminars for dads and and like classes for fatherhood and marriage and all that stuff so like they got the resources those aren't the ones that need the resources but all of us out here learning that transition of getting into parenthood and so i was like obviously like the people around me it's easy to have the conversations and stuff but I found this is another thing that I do that I'm like, man, I got to get out of this habit. I don't know if you do this, but do you ever give like that, like automatic social response once someone asks you like, Hey man, I'm a new dad. You got any advice? Cause I had that happen while I was in uniform at a delivery to a building that had like a, uh, a, a doctor's office in there. He's like, yeah, man, it's my, it's my first one. Any advice? And I was, I was like, yeah, man, hang on for dear life and just, you know, hang on, enjoy the ride. And I walked out of the yeah. elevator and I go, oh, you idiot. Man, you got, <laughs> oh, you have so much better advice for people than that, dude. But, like, that's such the easy social response of, yeah, man, just, like, it's going to be a whirlwind, man. Hang on for dear life and enjoy the ride. Like, nah, man. Like, so my new elevator, my new elevator pitch for new dads, man. Be present and intentional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're not always going to be there. And your body being there only does so much. Uh-huh. You have, when you are there, you have to be present. And I think yeah. the good news is, is like this, this new, new, our generation, like slightly younger than us, I think are, are getting this, that uh-huh. like just being there is not enough. Like, it's great that whole, like, Hey, your kids at a sporting event or a rehearsal or whatever. And they look out to the crowd and oh, daddy's there. Yay. Like that, that's great and all. But like, realistically for me, I told you like crazy schedule. I I can't always be there. And instead of beating myself up for that, I make sure when I am here, I am actually here. Yeah. I I I've given my oldest daughter permission that if she catches me just mindlessly scrolling on my phone, she gets a dollar. Huh. Like she'd come up and just be like, "Hey, daddy," because because I I get on her all the time because she's like, "Hey, can I have my tablet? Can I 
I just want to be on there. And like, now we got stuff to do. We got to get moving. We got to da 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 da. But I, I'm horrible habit of in the morning I get up and I don't want to start moving and just scroll Facebook, scroll Instagram, scroll TikTok, just lose myself and be like, oh shoot, now we got to get running. And then yeah. I like mm-hmm. the whole franticness that that I bring it into them as they're waking up and they're like, yo, I'm not awake yet, but they don't know how to say that. So now they're throwing a fit, right? And so I found, hey, you know, just get rid of all those distractions. Um, I've tried meditation in the past. I don't prioritize it as much as I know I need to. But that ability to control that urge to do the automatic thing. I've found is very beneficial for a dad because the automatic things are like, mm-hmm. all right, I got some downtime. Let me take my phone. Let me check scores. Let me scroll social media. Oh, uh, the automatic thing is, you know, I get home from work and I just want to sit in my car for 10 minutes before I go into the chaos of my house. And then when I get in there, I want to go straight and take a shower. And like, all of that's completely understandable, right? Like we all live these very stressful lives and very busy and full schedules. And again, like I'm out there touching other people's packages all day. I come home filthy, like to want to come in and immediately jump in the shower is understandable. Yeah. But if I do that, I don't see my kids because they are in bed. And if I go in, then it just wakes them back up. Right. And so it's the the discipline of mind to just realize that, okay, your needs, don't ignore your needs, but put them on the back burner. Put your kids' mm-hmm. needs first. Put your wife's needs first. And that's, that's the thing I'm bad about. I am a people pleaser. So, like, I throw my needs out the door sometimes, and that's one of the, like, reasons that I'm in counseling is learning how to voice my needs and and make sure that like I because when you don't voice them then you get you know bitter and upset when your needs aren't met right but then you put on this big show of like it's it's okay it's just mine as long as everyone else's needs are met it's whatever I'll be able to deal with it and the reality is like you get burnt down as a dad Mm -hmm. especially as you start having multiple kids and it's like you're pulled in so many different directions and then the second part of that with the intentionality, I, I I realized like I my life, I've I've told people like I feel like I have like a five year gap in my life that's missing. I feel like I'm five years younger emotionally. Uh-huh. So like I'm thirty seven. I feel like I could convince myself and others that I'm like thirty to thirty two, somewhere in that range. But it's a legit thing of like feeling like I have five years missing out of my life. And the reality of, of it is like with, between like the stage in college and then like the beginning of my marriage and leading into the first kid, I was on autopilot in my life for so much of it that like I'd occasionally pop out and be intentional and, and kind of start directing my life where it wanted to be. But the reality was, being on idle autopilot like hey you're not moving your life towards where you want to go and i've heard this phrase it comes from physics is everything um 
everything tends towards chaos mm-hmm. unless there's an outside source acted upon it. I think it's like the second law of thermodynamics or something like that. Um, and I listened to uh, this guy, Tom Billu with Impact Theory, who brings that up so often. But then I listened to him talk about his marriage and the conversations him and his wife have. And I'm like, all right, I want to be like you, dude. Like, you guys yeah. have... You guys have broken this thing down so much, and they talk uh, talk about everything on this like first principles basis of like breaking things down all the way down to that. And I realize relationships are the same way that if you don't act intentionally with your wife to build closeness, to build intimacy, to build love, to build. I mean, even like your financial situation or your social life or whatever, if you don't intentionally act on it naturally, you guys are going to drift off into your own worlds and your own lives. And there's going to be a lot of bickering and little fights that blow up because the real thing's not being addressed because look, I pushed it under the rug. It wasn't worth the fight tonight and all that type of stuff. And then applying that when you actively add in having the tough conversations, actively add in planning the consistent date night, um, actively add in seeking out babysitters ahead of time. So you're not throwing that on your spouse. Um, Those are the things that create that connection that you want so bad to just be natural between you and spouse. And the same thing happens with your kids. Because if you're not careful, they get school age. And it's, you wake them up, you get them dressed, you get their teeth brushed, you feed them, you get them out the door into the car or onto the bus, get them to school. You pick them up from school and they got to do their homework and then you feed them and then you let them play. And then you put, give them a bath and you put them in the bed. And you can look up a month or two from then and it's just like all the functional stuff are happening, but like you haven't talked to your, like really talked to your kid. You haven't asked them weird questions. You haven't taken the time to try to teach your kid anything. You haven't had a fun, like real memorable experience with them. And it's been months and you're like, oh man, and you start beating yourself up about it. But if you're intentional about it, so be there when you're there and think ahead of time about like things that you actually want to accomplish with your kids. So whether that's like you want to make sure they're a good student and therefore some of your interactions with them are quizzing them in math or giving them their sight words to, to spell back to you or... Um, if you're a history buff, just like telling random history stories to your kid or making sure you're intentional about reading books to them at night before you go to bed, just like know what it is that you want to instill in your kid, having the plan for instilling it and then purposefully acting it out. I think if more dads did that rather than the passive flow through life, I think it's so easy to fall into. I think our kids will end up being in a lot better shape in the future. 
And so that's kind of my mindset at home that, again, being the guy that I said earlier in this podcast is completely oblivious mm-hmm. and just doesn't pay attention to things. So hard for me, but because because of the things that I spend my days listening to and, and putting together, um, it, it's helpful. It's just the like making sure that I keep checking back in that whole, the other thing I get, I think I started this with meditation. I don't mm-hmm. do it often, but one of the lessons that I've learned from my meditation practice is don't judge yourself. When your thoughts drift, don't judge yourself. Just bring it back to the breath. And that applies to everything else too. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I've eaten like crap this week. Whatever, man. Don't judge yourself. Get back on track. Man, I haven't been as intentional with my kids. It's all right, man. Don't judge yourself. Do better today. Oh man, I haven't given my wife the attention I'm into. It's all right, man. Don't judge yourself. Do it today. Just get back here, man. Come on back. You know what to do. Everyone drifts in the repair that these relationships really get that Mm -hmm. strong bond. Come on back, man. So... That's 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 the things that I like to pass on to dads and the short elevator stump speech is be present when you're there. Don't judge yourself when you're not there and be intentional with the time that you have. Yep. Super powerful stuff. There's a lot of things I want to come back to on that. I I used to say I, I said before that I thought it it was about showing up and giving a damn. It was like eighty yeah. percent showing up and then twenty yeah. percent giving a damn. Cause there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of guys that, that are there and a lot of guys that I've talked to in the podcast and in life and, and they talk about their their dads were there, but they might as well have just been like a couch. You know, they mm-hmm. were just there. But it's that it's that little bit of just giving a damn about it. That's the yeah. really the kicker. And and I think I like that you said intentionality. I might use that more because it just sounds it's just and it it takes me back to um you know i think when you're living intentionally you're in a lot more of control of your life um Mm -hmm. and when you're when you're not it's like life is controlling you and it's like if you're intentional about intentional about things as little as like the food you're eating it, it it has this profound impact on your life and i don't know if you've read atomic habits or have heard of that book it's it's my go-to beginning of the year book now um because i'm a i'm a big new year's resolution guy that Uh never sticks to it um i read it to not read it i listened to it on audible two years ago Uh so now i just have it in the in the library on audible and so every january you know i i set my intentions for the next year and i'm like you know what Atomic Addicts, that's the next thing we're listening to, and we'll get back to whatever book I was on next. <laughs> because if you if you start yeah. incorporating these little habits, it just starts to, like, your autopilot becomes different. Instead mm-hmm. of an autopilot being like, you're just scrolling, your autopilot is, I'm up, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that now. And it's like, yep. you can train it. And and it is, Training you it, know. Add it, add it to an old habit, that way it's easier to implement, Yeah. Because you can do, you know, you can have everything. You can have the life that you want, but it, you know, it just, it just, ha- it takes incorporating these these habits into your life to get it. 
Yeah, um, dude. There's a there's a quote that Tom Billy you uh, used to say a lot, and it's um, you can do anything you want in this world. You just can't do everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then it comes to like, life. Life isn't about. Life isn't about opening a bunch of doors until you figure out where you go. It's about having a thousand doors in front of you and having the ability to close 999 of them and walk through that last one. Right. Yeah. I like that. Um, And then you were talking about resources for, for, for dads and communities and stuff. And I think it's, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not given the tools to communicate as kids, like boys, you know, we're not, we're not, we don't know how to communicate feelings, emotions, anything, how, you know, dealing with sex, dealing with love, dealing with anything. We're not. And and a lot of it is from the generations before us and how they lived. And so it's, you know, yeah, we're very reactionary and that's because of, you know, the people that are before us and what that's, what's that's taught down, you know, taught down to Mm -hmm. us. And, and it's like, you know, it's great to go to these birthing classes and I'm glad you talked about it (laughs) because birthing classes are great, but at no point did anyone ask me how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's, nor did anyone care at that stage. I don't think. And it's like, I do agree. And I will say this, that, that my wife needed the bulk of the absolutely talk yeah absolutely it's their body they're going through it look man we're here as a support it shouldn't be about me but very rarely do they ask how we're doing and i'm sitting here trying to process everything we're we're trying to process this what's our role going to be how is this going to shift and and it'd be great to have someone talk about this you know to have someone to say yeah man I feel that. Here's why I love that you're getting into this space. Because I've heard you talk about your relationship with your dad. Uh Uh-huh. And it was a good one. You want to know what the rest of them are talking about? I didn't have a dad. Therefore, I know people need resources. And therefore, this is what I've put together now. Yeah. I was like, Uh bro. You haven't had a good example of a dad in your life, but now you're teaching a bunch of other people mm-hmm. like how to be a man. Like, come yeah. on, man! Like, unfortunately, it's the like people who've been hurt in their life that are like, I need to do something, and they step up and they start doing it. The ones who had the good relationship are just like, yeah, no, man, I'm good. I was raised right, and so now I'm, you know, doing my job yeah. and I'm in my own world and. Like those aren't the people that are going to get out onto a huge platform on a podcast or in social media and just be like, look guys, like I had it great. This is what my dad did. And it's what he taught me. And, and, and there's none of those types of examples out there in the manosphere of like what it means to be a man or a father or whatever. So, well, and it's all changing. A lot of it is changing now. And I think it's changing for a good reason because it needed to change. Oh yeah. You know, and, and I mean, yeah, I, my... I think I had, uh, I, um, I 
have a great relationship with my dad. It wasn't always great, mm-hmm. but I like being a dad now. I see exactly why it wasn't great, and it wasn't on him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, do you, right? what do you mean? It was it was more oh, you. Oh man, my dad. Oh yeah, my, like my dad had a short temper, but like now I see how easy it is to have a short temper. Like, holy oh, crap, yeah, these kids test you so much, man. Like they mm-hmm. know your buttons and they just oh rail on them. Like yeah. So like it's like okay. Like no one, like no wonder he was impatient and short temper, and like continually got on to me. Cause like, man, like even okay, I'm 37, but like even me, I sit here and I look at myself, and like one of the things I'm in therapy for is cause like, man, I feel like I got so much more potential in this life, and I'm wasting it working a union job. Like I don't have any say in anything that happens. I just I go and do what I'm told for nine, 10 hours a day and clock out and I have no power to change anything, even though like internally I'm like, yeah, I changed this, 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 but like, A, no one around me cares enough to listen and B, I'm not about to put myself into a position to be in the company in a position that could change it because honestly it was upset so much to so many people, they just fire me. Because yeah. it would change so much of the set. Like, and it's like, man, I got so much potential. The biggest issue in me and my dad's relationship is he just stayed on my back about, like, oh, you're back on the video games or all you do is play baseball and da 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 da. And my biggest issue back to him was, like, you do everything for me, but you don't teach me how to do the thing. Mm-hmm. And so being on this side as a parent now, it's like, all right, so. My dad always did everything for me and I see the negative effects of it for me now. And so therefore, like I wanna oh man, I want they're girls, man. Like I'm wrapped around their fingers so bad, but like oh, I can't just give them everything their heart desires. I have to learn how to say no. Oh, but at the same time, man, I gotta figure out a way to teach them these life skills to be able to do for themselves and there's gonna hit a stage and it's gonna kill me where I'm gonna have to sit back and watch them go through hell Mm -hmm. and have the answer and let them figure it out anyway Mm -hmm. I was like oh gosh I wonder my dad stayed on me like he did he saw the potential in me he sees the potential in me he still sees the potential in me stays on me mm-hmm. but like it's hard to have that relationship like as a teenager with your dad because you're just like i just want to do me i'm just a teenager i shouldn't have that type of pressure i just want to have this fun stuff and it's so hard to convince a kid that like there's responsibilities to come up and then i see like through college like mm-hmm. the challenges i foresee for myself in my daughters like my dad went through them and his choice was to save the day. And I cannot blame him at all because mm-hmm. I can't imagine my kid in college. And then it's like, oh, like I, I need money or I'm like, I'm not going to be able to pay rent this month. Daddy. It's yeah. like, oh gosh. Like I know the right answer is like to have raised them up. Like, yo, go get a job. But like to not cut the check at the same time is 
man, like, yeah, no wonder my dad didn't do that. I do know that I'm going to have to put in the effort to prepare myself that that situation is going to come up at Syracuse 8. So, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years from now, I'm going to have that situation arise or something's going to happen in my daughter's life. And it's not going to be a life-ruining thing if she goes through it. It'll be a character-building thing. But to be on this side now and to know what it would take, what it would have taken from my dad for me to have gone through the thing to build the character that at this stage of my life, I am having to piecemeal the character back together Yeah, because I didn't build a character back then because my dad saved the day. And it's like, well, I've had a great life. I haven't had like huge challenges. Like I, I haven't had the traumatic uh, events in my life that a lot of people have gone through. And that's great and I think that that's what I want for my kids too but at the same time also knowing all of the things that I feel like I fall short at I'm like man okay as I build our life and try to supply my kids with everything that I could dream of for them there has to be character building within it and it comes back to the intentionality. All right. So you want to build character. It's not just about saying no when you don't feel like saying yes. It's having the purposeful plan of, for so for example, something I have not implemented yet that I am thinking through. All right. There's a path here that you probably need to take out. My oldest daughter is eight. She's a soccer player. Uh-huh. She watched the Women's World Cup with us when she was four, got into her head that she's going to be an Olympic soccer player when she grows up. Watched it again this year while she's eight. She's either the best or the second best player on her team. Awesome. But, but I was one of the best players on my baseball team too. And I if I were going to play college level, I would have had to walk on somewhere. I didn't get scholarships. So I know if my daughter really does want to become an Olympic soccer player, there's going to be some character building and discipline to be built into her of you can't just do practice and games and think that you're going to be good enough. The Olympic level people wake up before they have to, and they go outside and they go running and they do ball skills and they do shooting drills. And they do passing drills and they run for endurance so they don't get tired in the game. And my daughter is not going to be able to do that on her own. Yeah. So am I going to be the Michael Jackson dad? <laughs> or, right? Yeah. yeah. I think you, you caught where I was going with that, right? Am I, do I be the abusive disciplinarian dad that just like forces her through it? And like you said, you wanted this, so let's go. This is what it takes. I don't care what you say about wanting to or not. Now that you said that you want to do it, this is what we're doing. Or worse, this is what I want for you. So therefore, this is what we're doing. Secondly, though, like 
And this is what I have to deal with with having three kids. My, my middle child doesn't play soccer. She's artistic. She she loves music. She loves drawing. She loves coloring. She loves art. She's getting into drama classes right now. So I'm spending all my time with my oldest outside playing soccer. Where's my, like, I already don't have time. Where's my time for spending time doing artistic stuff with my middle child? I don't even know what my third child's going to get into. We think she's probably going down the soccer path just because of how she acts, but she's not even three yet. Like, there's so much for them all to discover throughout the thing. And so uh, this is just the path that dad's heads go down, right? I'm already 10 years in the future about my daughter graduating high school and going to play Olympic soccer. She's eight. It's hard. It's hard She's not eight. to get on the rabbit hole, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Yep. Because you want to be yeah. present, you want to be intentional, but there is a, there is a, uh, a damaging approach to intentionality, to where you take all of it becomes this like it becomes your intention instead of their intention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you um, know. you were saying something earlier that I kind of wanted to also make another note on, uh-huh. um about how how guys aren't taught emotions or how to communicate them uh-huh yeah i think one of one of the biggest blessings in my life is having only girls yeah because learning emotions and more specifically emotional regulation like that's been my obsession for the last 2 years now Mm-hmm. is learning how to regulate my emotions first off but then learning how to teach the same skill set to my girls so that they aren't the dramatic teenage girls that are typical mm-hmm. so that they don't have their heart broken by a guy and fly off the handle or so that they don't not get something they wanted and go into this angry tirade that you see a lot of women go into when they don't get their way. And it's just like, uh-huh. all right. But like, if I had boys, I never would have cared about emotions. I would have been wrestling them, fighting them, teaching them how to stuff yeah. their emotions and like do what my mom taught me for my emotions, go outside and dribble a basketball or punt a football or throw a ball against the steps as hard as I can. Like, essentially hide my emotions in sports mm-hmm. and I never would have learned it. And so like I'm doing this deep dive into emotional re- regulation and legitimately, I think, I think it was March. Um, I just sent out a text to like maybe like 15 people I'm close to just to kind of do this like ground-based survey. It's like, if I, t- if I say the, the term emotional regulation, do you know what that means? And half of them came back with like, no, I've never heard that before in my life. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh, that's scary because now, like, that's like, I feel like that's the top skill that everyone should have is knowing how to con- not stuff, but control and mm-hmm. regulate their emotions. Because our emotions are meant to be felt. Mm-hmm. And here's so here's the crazy. So I don't know if you know Ashley's background at all, but she's been raised by a single mom who is a single mom who is a firefighter. Uh-huh. 
like, I mean, if you think about any woman who had to take on a man's role, it's her mom. Yeah. She had to be a mom and a dad. And then she worked in a job where she was like one of three women in the state. Right. Yeah. So like Ashley, luckily she was a psychology and social worker major in college. So like she got to learn it through that. But like I'm, I'm so I get to have conversations with her about it. She hates it because she's like, "You're doing schoolwork." And I'm like, "No, I'm trying to learn this stuff that you learned in school." But this is stuff that I need to learn how to do. Um, but yeah. like we we have even like a fundamental disagreement. We're not part. Uh, okay, that's not the. I don't know how to word this correctly, but like. Actually, I think I do because I heard this on a podcast too. Women are all about the results of actions, whereas men are about the intentions behind the action. Okay? Interesting. Right? If you think about your fights with your wife, (laughs) honey, I intended to. Yeah, but you didn't. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's... That's, I think, 90% of fights between men and women. Um, It's interesting to think about. Right? So then uh, applied to our kids, my wife's all about getting their behaviors in line. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm reading the feelings and intentions behind the behavior. So to me, them throwing a fit is saying I have an emotional need that's not being met and I don't know how to say it. Mm -hmm. And so instead of stopping the fit, I'm trying to talk through the process and find the emotional need that's not being met so that I can try to address that emotional need. And there's a lot, there's a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of resources out there for when it comes to kids and what you're saying is looking at the um, emotion behind or the, what'd you say? The intention behind the action. Well, for the kid, it's the emotional need not being met behind the, the outbreak. And so, so like, and, and as I was a teacher, that was, that was always what I'm seeing, what I'm dealing with. It's like, well, why did you do that? Why did you do that? What's going on? And you mm-hmm. find you find the real reason for those things, and you know That's it's, if you're it's, a good teacher, Roy. I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure other teachers do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, and it's it it's challenging in the moment because your kid's freaking out or doing something that you don't agree with, and and you know, 99 percent of it is it's because of it's because of an emotional need because. They don't know how mm-hmm. to express anything because they're oh, yeah. all 100% ego, you know, and, and it's hmm. hard because it, you know, hang on, I need to pause you there. I don't think I understand that. What did it say? They're all oh, your ego. ego. So like your ego, you know how like your ego is all like the fight or flight mentality that your ego, like uh, it's a psychology term. It's, it's okay. like you have your ego, your, your I've ego, your id. referred to as also pride. Yeah, yeah, not an emotion. It's the, yeah, it, it, it has to do with. Like, okay, good. It, it's more of like um, 
not like your ego, like your pridefulness, the ego with regards to how your mind works, your ego and your id. And I'm going to totally, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, but, but it's all like, I'll probably do later though. Yeah, this is what I want, and I want it now. And they can't comprehend anything past the need of right. the right now. And okay. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and so you're Most dealing with thing that. Is delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna tell you what this is because it's not anything about it's the um it's the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious responsibility and is responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. Um, that's, that's the long one. That's not exactly, but, um, see my experience with ego comes from, I listened to, uh, Jay Shetty who used to be a mm -hmm. monk and does a podcast called, uh, on purpose i saw i can see the book in the corner i have the book down on my bookshelf I oh yeah, yeah, yeah i do got that one out there yeah nice um yeah it's a hey it's a great book you should you definitely need to get to it um but but b his um when he talks about ego um he talks about the ego as in um kind of like the monkey mind it's the, yeah. it's the lower self. It's the, the lizard like, brain the primal instinct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? And okay. so that our kids are, our kids are in that they're yeah, learning. I guess how that to, makes sense. Yeah. And we're trying to teach them how to not be in that. But the first so let thing, me ask, that we let do, me ask you on that. Cause you know, I have a working theory on what I am trying to do to help build that in my kids. And I don't know if I'm if I'm doing it correctly. So I know that they, at this stage, even at eight, they cannot. I know they're honestly probably about seven years from being able to start grasping it. I figure like 15, 16 is probably where you actually start, but obviously you don't really fully grasp it until like you know late twenties, early thirties. Um, but so my idea is repetition and failure. Uh -huh. So give them the choice for instant gratification versus delayed gratification and then hold them to it consistently uh -huh. knowing for the next seven years, they're going to be choosing instant gratification. Mm -hmm. But by the time that their brain reaches the development stage where they actually can grasp it, they will have the repetition of, oh, yeah, wait a minute. There's, there's been a bunch of times where like I ended up not getting what I really wanted because I, I chose something that felt like it would be good. Mm -hmm. And hopefully then it, it builds this like, let me try the other side this time. Mm -hmm. And not like this, like, I, I, my fear is that there's this other side of, like, I shouldn't choose because it doesn't turn out well. So I just won't make a choice, you know? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it is all repetition. It's also, like, think about you're planting seeds. Like, mm -hmm. you, you're, you're, <laughs> am I? you're, like, you're trying to show them the benefit of something and it, 
they don't really start to comprehend it. They see it sort of through repetition. Mm-hmm. Kind of trying. It's you are you're saying it. I'm I'm getting lost in my own thoughts because I liked what you were <laughs> saying because it is repetition. You consistently yeah. doing the same thing will show them it does click for them later. And yeah. instant gratification is something that's it's hard for all of us to, you know, to grasp. Uh, I know for us, we do like this little goal setting thing for him where he, uh, every time he brushes his teeth, he gets to put a, this cork in a jar. And when he fills up the jar, he gets to go do something or right. he can choose whatever he wants. And so let me add, um, let me give you, you an idea. Let me let me give you an idea. Yeah. And I want it. I want you to implement it and then let me know how it turns out. <laughs> so if you if every time he brushes his teeth, he gets he gets a cork in the thing when it fills up, he gets it. Mm-hmm. When he comes to you to initiate it, give him two. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. We uh we do that. If he does something okay. that it's not it's not like normal for him to do. We're mm-hmm. usually like, oh yeah, put an extra one in there. Why? Oh, because this, this is something surprising. It's the same thing with like allowance. Like we're trying to teach, we're trying to incorporate him respecting the space of mm-hmm. our house. And there's things that you do to respect the house, respect your body, respect, you know, we talked about respecting your body. Now we do respect the space. And so like he wakes up and he has to feed the cats. He has a little scoop yeah. and he does it. We don't pay him for it or we haven't wanted we don't want to incorporate allowance per se for that because that's something that like no, we all live in this house. Your cats can't feed themselves. It's the right yeah. thing to do to feed them. Like, you know, it's mm. the same reason like you can't drive yourself to school. Uh, should I get paid for driving you to school? No. It's the right, you know, there's, it's, yes, it's, I should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we've, we were thinking about the idea of like allowance or being paid for things are like the extra stuff. Like, what are the, mm. like, some, the extra things that he can do? And that's where he can get the allowance. Because I think what ends up happening is we like, it's like, it feels like we just domesticate. Well, Instead I think, of like, I think this is a, our generation thing because we have yeah. the like memory of our. A lot of us had a memory of like our parents just gave us an allowance. Like we had chores, they had to do, mm-hmm. in order to like receive that that at the end of the week. Um, but then we also have you know TikTok and Instagram and uh, uh-huh. Robert Kiyosaki and like all these people who are like, no, 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 you don't pay an allowance, but you will pay a. Um, uh commission so like yeah hey do this thing that's above and beyond and you can get this and so you you're essentially teaching them how to work for money also and you're like no that's not i i don't want to teach them to work for money i want to teach them to like take care of their house because it's their Mm -hmm. house and i do want to teach them how to earn money but i don't always want it it to be like task related um you know, I, I want them to learn, like, so So for me and my kids, I try to have occasional recurring conversations about different ways you can make money. Because my dad got a job in a warehouse 
worked his way up, got into management, got into IT, got into management in IT, worked there for 40 years, retired with a pension. Mm-hmm. I started in a warehouse EPS and I've worked my way up to driver. And more than likely, 40 years from now, I will be retiring from UPS mm-hmm. with a pension. And my kids aren't going to have that option. But it's so ingrained in me that, like, I theoretically have learned all these other options. Mm-hmm. But I'm in the state that I'm in that, like, still need to change my mindset stage because my mindset is you get a good job, you work hard, you earn good money, you stay loyal, your t- company takes care of you, and eventually you retire. Mm-hmm. But I also see the benefits of like, hey, like you want to make money and you preferably want to learn how to find a way to have money make money while you sleep. That comes from pretty much one of two ways. Either you create something of value that other people want or you find a cash flowing asset like rental real estate or something like that. Right. And so like, I'm like, all right, well, if nothing else, even if I'm, if I never end up overcoming that hurdle and and taking that step, I was like, I want my kids to see other options. I will have talked to them about it because my parents definitely never talked to me about it. My parents Mm -hmm. were completely, you know, blue collar, just like, Hey, you work for a living, find a good company. Like even like, as I've been trying to find other stuff, my mom, before my mom retired, she was like, I'll pay for you to go back to college and get your actuarial degree. And I'm like, <laughs> so I can just go work for someone else. And instead of like enjoying what I do, I'm going to sit in front of a computer all day. That, that doesn't sound yeah. good to me, <laughs> but like love my mom. And I, maybe I would do good at it and it will pay end up paying better than UPS in in the end. And if I had chosen that path would have been a great path. Mm -hmm. But I also know from things that like are kind of churning in my heart now that like that wouldn't have fulfilled me. I probably would have been miserable. It may have opened up more time for me to be home with my kids, which now is like, that's the biggest Mm problem. And I need to find more time to get home. Um, And so yeah, that's the teaching, figuring out how to teach them this different mindset while still feeling stuck in my old mindset is, is this like, it's this wild battle in my brain, right? Because mm-hmm. it comes back, um, Ed Milet starts one of his speeches with that. It's just like, you know, your, your kids are going to find you out one day, mm-hmm. you know, man. Liza, you could be anything you want when you grow up. You can accomplish anything you put your mind to. Oh, yeah, Dad? Then how come you didn't? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it sucks oh, when they're, you know. There's that battle, man. For me, like, I think about that. I think about what you're saying. For me, I, I always thought it was it was a bunch of BS that you just had to do things this way. Whenever someone told me you had to do it, <laughs> I think it helps that it was a part of 
I was a part of a church that told me I had to do things one way and everything was going to be great. Then it wasn't Uh, that I'm like, (laughs) no, uh, there's a thousand ways to get anywhere you want to go. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, okay. I mean, I've been incredibly intentional in my life and my choices. I was intentional about becoming a teacher. I was intentional about, I mean, you don't, you don't go from Atlanta to Virginia beach. Oh yeah. On a whim. No, you don't accidentally do that. (laughs) No, I was intentional. Carly walked in the coffee shop I was working at and I was like, I'm going to ask her out. And then we, 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 she was like, this is, this is kind of my plan. And this is what I'm thinking because she's from here and she wanted to start a practice here. And so Mm -hmm. we set out to come here and I was intentional about this choice. And then I was intentional about, all these me, things, and and I want. I want him... to pause you there. Can I, well, can I pause you there? Yeah. I don't. Um. So like, knowing you, knowing your younger self. Uh huh. Yeah. I feel like, or at least the story that I'm telling myself is that you would have been experiencing extreme anxiety, and that would have been out of character at the time. When. What asking Carly out at the coffee oh, shop? Yeah. She, uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you overcome that? I just, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think, I don't know. There's this. There's a lot of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. It was. I, it I mean, was just. There's... You know, when like things, you know, when things, all these things just meet at this one point. It was just this. It was like, I don't know, like everything sort of was lined up and i mean i had i had like left the church for a little bit and found a little bit of confidence and and being a barista was was fun and i was learning how to i've always been able to talk to people mm-hmm. per se but it just i don't know there's a little bit of confidence lined up and then she was there. I don't know. It's just, everything just worked out. I, I... Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it was funny is like, just, just over the, like the last like two weeks, I've been getting these, the, the random thoughts from podcasts that I've been putting together and realizing that because I, I like, I'll say, what was your memory of me from back then? Like what? What, what type of kid was I? Like what type? Of, what was my personality? Oh, you were like, um, a, you know, blue collar sport kid, shy or outgoing. Um, in the middle. Okay. Like you weren't. I would have described in, myself as shy. Yeah, I think there were times. To- I think you were, uh, because you were working with Irwin at camp, right? Yep. Yeah, that's when I remember that, and I remember, uh. And there was always certain types of people that did that. They liked want they liked the work mm. and being there. I and just so they wanted weren't... to be out of camp, really. I yeah, feel like Erwin yeah. probably hated that some of me because I'd <laughs> I'd, I'd keep yeah. like slipping away at like free time and going out and playing ultimate frisbee with the campers. And he's like, "You didn't finish." Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah, no, you weren't super uh, shy. I think, but you weren't you weren't um, super outgoing. Shows. You know, yeah. See, I told my uh, I, I, the story I told myself completely growing up was that I I was the shy, awkward kid who mm-hmm. just liked sports, and and you get hit, and it was always like if you hit the right topic with me, which which, which would essentially just been sports, I'd just go right. It would open mm-hmm. me up, 
but the reason I bring that up is is I've been learning a I'm not as introverted as I always thought I had been mm-hmm. because I'm proving that as I as I grow up and I'm realizing and it's a thing I listened to Alex Hormozzi a lot and he was a guest on a couple of podcasts too and he talked about how like these things that we think of as like parts of our personality mm-hmm. really aren't anything except for skill sets mm-hmm. and and if it's a skill set it can be trained and so like being an outgoing person or being charismatic or like creating energy in a room like yes there are certain people that just naturally come to it but if you take the time to study those people, you realize that charisma is, hey, this guy in the corner, like, instead of being the guy in the corner not doing anything, charisma is the guy who, like, when someone walks in the room, they stand up, mm-hmm. they put on a big smile, they get really wide, open their arms or whatever, and give this huge greeting to someone who comes in. And it comes across as charisma. So if you want to be more charismatic, like be more animated, initiate, like mm-hmm. speak full voice, not timid, like all that type of stuff. But so like, again, my, my picture of you in the past was like, hey, you know, like more timid, probably shy, mm-hmm. not the type of guy you'd expect to like, ask a girl out at the coffee shop that he worked at. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I go through all of that to say, like realizing that the stage I'm realizing the potential for also teaching that to my kids, Mm -hmm. because I've already had the example with my daughter in soccer. We got stuck at the fields for like three hours between games and me, her and one of her teammates just, kicking a ball around on the field and listening to them talk and neither of them likes being in goal, but they all just say, I'm not a good goalie. Like that's just what they tell themselves. And of course, as the adult, I'm like, of course you're not a good goalie. You're eight. Like you have no way of being a good goalie. You can't have the reaction time. You don't, have any skills for it because no one's going to teach an eight-year-old how to be goalie and legitimately then we sit there and i start talking i they start shooting on me and i start talking through to them what i'm doing in goal and then they go and they play their next game and they are playing against so they're eight they're playing on the u10 team so they're playing against some 10 year olds and my daughter's teammate who's smaller than her gets put in as goalie and does amazing dude like rushes rushes one of the offensive players forces her to kick the ball out wide miss the goal she blocks another one um and then she had uh there was a penalty in the box so they got a direct kick on her and the girl ends up kicking it over the goal and then it finishes out. They end up one more shot on goal, and it's like a, a ground ball towards her. And she put her knee on the ground to completely block the ball and pick it up. All of these things were things that I had been teaching her throughout the thing. And I go up to her after. I was like, you did amazing. She's like, I got lucky. <laughs> what are you talking about lucky? 
I got lucky. She kicked it over the thing. I'm like, okay, let's change your mindset here, kid. Listen, none of that was none of that was luck. All of that was your skill. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, look, when they came on, you were decisive. Worst thing you could do as a goalie is like start coming out towards the ball aggressive and then stop. You end up in no man's lane. You made a decision. You went all the way out at her and made her miss. You did it again, and you stopped the ball. I was like, I taught you, like, when a gr- when they're kicking it on the ground towards you as a goalie and you're picking it up, don't bend over and pick it up. Put your knee down so if you miss, it hits your body. And you did that. As She was like, yeah, but the, the penalty kick. I was like, listen, you had just done all of that on live game against older kids. She knew she couldn't kick it straight at you. So you got in her head. So then she's thinking, and I got to put it high because she's short, and she put it too high. Uh, All of that came from how you had played before. None of that was luck. I was like, you learned what it takes to be a goalie, and then you implemented them in the game. And it turned out really well for you and your team. I was like, don't discount yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I like that you're talking with them with the mindsets because I was the way I was because – I thought that everybody else who was around me was better than me mm-hmm. and it was a, uh, or they deserved it more That's than I thing. did. And mm-hmm. so as I left and that came from the system and kind of the narrative from different people and different ways that the church was run and stuff like that. And just other yeah. things, you know, and not you being a guy that part was... of the church elite. Therefore you're not worthy of any type of leadership position. So yeah. why we put you up and to even do the communion this week. And yeah, yeah. I, I remember and then, all that stuff. Yeah. And then like, you know, I became funny because I was chubby, you know? And I mean, that's the quintessential <laughs> thing. You know, and, and then it's like yeah. you start to do these things and you realize that, like, you know, as I got older, I was like, I don't have to be these things and, and I can be. And and that was the thing with leaving the church. And as I was I like because I slowly left, it's like I was like, I can be whatever I want to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, we think about like what we want our kids to see and things like that. And, and I want him like the, re, you know, I wanted him to see that no matter if this like fails, I don't see it like, like this <laughs> doing the podcast or doing the book. It's like, I'm taking a chance and I yeah. want him to see that you, you know, you can take a chance. Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, cause they're going to, cause then, you know, if he comes back, he's like, well, you know, if I'm saying like, yeah, take a chance on this and he'll be like, well, what did you? And I was like, I took a chance here and I took yeah. a chance there and I took a chance and got me to Virginia beach and I took a chance to th- this. And so like, if we're, and, and so like showing them that I think is more Living powerful life than that like, you want your kid yeah. to be able to live in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Instead of just talking about it. And, and so, uh-huh. What's so funny about our conversation, because just so you know, it's almost been two hours. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've glanced at the clock a couple times. Like, oh, but crap. it's funny because, <laughs> you know, I give you these, I give you guys these questions and, and just sometimes, and sometimes it goes through a list, but then sometimes 
Like every time I was going to be like, let me talk to you about this. It was like, or like, I was like, well, we could talk about your dad. You told me the story about your dad and like this thing. And then it told me about the birth stories and it came into this and then like scares you about being a dad. And you talked about the things that are scaring you. And, and I love yeah. that it was just so kind of like natural. Flowed. Yeah. Natural and fluid. And it was fun. I'm not, um, not going to lie. That, that stems a lot from you. In your preparation, ha- having the list of things that I know that you're going to want to talk about as a uh-huh. guest uh-huh. helps me a ton uh-huh. because, yeah. I-, I mean, hey, you sent it to me a couple of days ago, so I've had a couple of days to already think through the answers. So yeah. all the stories were already top of mind. Like That's I had lunch with my, with my parents today, so like I was talking to them about some of the things. And um, yeah, no, so like yeah. no, you did a great job as a host, like preparing me for coming in to like, hey, man, these are the. These are mm-hmm. things you're probably going to hit. So, and, and stories, man, I'm, I find stories just flow so well. Just, they they come out of people's brains so easy. I will say, be careful about those rabbit holes, man. Those, <laughs> they will get you, and yeah. then you will... You, <laughs> Got to come up for air sometimes, dude. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. That's, that's definitely the thing I tell my wife to be aware of. It's like, I get in my head, honey. Just like bring me back to reality. <laughs> that is like that that's the great thing about being married man you get you got someone else in your corner that's like they see they they see it before you see it and yeah. they can like nudge you back to reality before you go too far down the spiral so yeah man is there anything so. like last like last things you want to anything you want to say <laughs> any last words um I, honestly, I'm I'm just gonna reiterate the like what I felt was the the main point that was probably an hour ago at this stage. Uh-huh. That just like a, as a dad, man, just be present and be intentional. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I'm always gonna come back to when I talk with dads. Like, don't judge yourself if you're not there as often as you want to, because while your presence, your body being there, is a great thing for your kid like like you said they also need mm-hmm. to see you doing the things that life takes mm-hmm. sometimes life takes working 60 hours a week to supply the life that they're going to be living sometimes it takes not being able to make a game for whatever a reason is and but knowing that even if dad wasn't there for the game or the recital or whatever, the next time that I see him, he's going to have so much joy in his heart as he asks me to relive it. And even if he weren't there physically, he will get to be there emotionally when we get to relive it the next time I get to see my dad. And that's where the presence and the intentionality of parenthood comes in and just, Again, not not beating yourself up for. Uh, I think one of the things that I was probably uh, I th- I was gonna say earlier and never got a chance to. You were saying something about like you're saying about parenthood, and mine mine is. Well, every parent is gonna mess up their kids. It's just a matter of how we mess them up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. which kind of goes in goes into the story of my with like me and my dad's relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Man, my dad, looking back, like, I, I can't see anywhere where, like, I'd be like, Dad, I wish you had done this differently. Like, I wish you would have let me, like, 
work through my own problems, but like at the same time, like I really wanted to be saved at that stage. So mm -hmm. like he was either gonna mess me up by me having to go through some trauma to get through something I'd got myself into, or he was gonna mess me up and save me and I'm gonna have to try to build those skills later in life. Like we're all gonna mess up our kids. It's just a matter of how and being aware of it. And when you bring in the intentionality to that, like you can at least direct it to something that you're aware will be a challenge for them. Mm -hmm. And then you can also try to start implementing things that can, that will help counter that in the future as well. So cool. I like it, but, dude, dude. I appreciate you. you for... man. This is, this is awesome. This, this is yeah. fine. Cause I've been kicking around a podcast idea now for three or four years and this might yeah. might be the thing that kind of if i have the time to do this for someone else for two hours on a wednesday night i uh I'm, <laughs> i might have to implement this like hey take care of your own needs too alex not just everyone else's so yeah it has been awesome do it it's the wild west out here anybody can do it i know right yeah <laughs> yeah thanks for coming on i uh i take it you know like i say all the time I, I take it very seriously that you're allowing me to share your story to whoever wants to listen so yeah. it, was, it was it was good to uh it was good to talk good to catch up thank you for sharing what you shared man and uh thank you all of you for listening and uh we'll catch you the next time